This is Coda Radio, episode 497, for December 15th, 2022. Hello, friend. Welcome into Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and the business, the software development, and the world of technology. My name is Chris, and joining me out of time, it's our host, Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike. We must fly our TARDISes in a circle to get out of time and space. It's what we have to do every now and then as podcasters. I mean, the normies don't know about it, but we've mastered time travel. We're a bit of time lords, and... Uh, we're doing this one a little ahead. That's right. Because the holidays are cometh, and we're we're just recording ahead. We're like doing our homework before it's due. What? I thought we were edgelords, by the way. I thought I thought an edgelord was something else, but that's not appropriate for this year. We're an edging lord. Tell you oh, what. Sorry, Ooh, that's different. You know what? We should start right off with a spicy one. I think we just go right into it. Liberty person on Matrix asked about AI. He says, are you guys worried about the role AI will play soon now that it can code for you? Or will it be just another tool in your box? So, side note, ChatGPT can generate working automation configuration files and whatnot for like things like Home Assistant. It will spit out fully functional YAML that you can pop into Home Assistant, tweak a few of the variable names, and start using it. I, I was blown away with that. Uh, so, yes. Is this going to replace people or is this just another tool in their box? He says, I'm seriously concerned about it myself. I'm worried that I'll become very dependent on it in the long run. In the short run, I'm afraid that by the time I'm done building my distro and learn Rust, I'm going to be obsolete before I can even get in the job market. I feel this. I feel that this year there have been slow leaks of seriously game-changing technologies. I don't know how the developer industry will pan out over the next few years. I wouldn't worry too much, right? There's always users breaking things. You'll always have work. It's a question of how much is this going to become part of your day-to-day, -day, you know, day-to-day -to -day tool set, right? Is this something you have to use for lack of... But a, a good example of this is like Docker, right? Now, ironically, I'm seeing some a little bit of like Docker backlash now. But for a while there, Docker was like the hotness and the default option. And... You know, it it would behoove anyone to learn it. I don't know. I wouldn't worry. See, I yeah, I'm always a little kind of poo poo on these. Oh, what's going to happen to the industry? Nothing. It's going to continue the way it has, right? Yeah. I mean, maybe you won't get free kombucha. Well, something's going to change if you're in the VC world. You know, for very disappointing, in my opinion, cultural reasons, the beer on tap is going away. But that might be my own uh, 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 hobbies. And for financial reasons the kombucha is going away too right so you're not gonna be as pampered but oh man so i'm gonna take the other side of this all right take it uh i've been using stable diffusion on the regular if you go to jupiter.tube you can see where i think it actually is a great tooling for somebody like me i need i basically need something that's like stock photography i can't justify the subscription for just some stupid jupiter.tube thumbnail or, or social media post right but if I can go into Stable Diffusion and within five, 10 minutes generate an image that works for me, that works for a blog post, works for Jupiter.tube, works for a social media post, and I can do that for free, as I get better at it too, I'm quicker to get to the results I want now. It's a powerful tool for me. I use it all the time now. And ChatGPT, since that has gone public, JB has used it every single day in the line of production because you can throw the show docs at it and it'll take a pass at generating the description. It'll take a pass at generating all the tags. 
You can also have it, you know, look at the stories and it'll take a pass at generating the highlights of the story. Now, it's generally pretty worthless when it does that. However, it often extracts a few things that I'd have to go manually do anyways, dates, names, high level observations. From that, I can start writing. Like I'm I'm the kind of guy that when we need to send out an email, I'll have somebody else write the email first and then I'll just completely rewrite it. But I couldn't actually start it. I have to have somebody else start it and then I'll read it and make it better. <laughs> and I don't I don't mean that in like an arrogant way. I just mean that's just like sometimes, not always, but sometimes I shouldn't hit it too hard, but I just need to get the creative juices flowing. I need something just to get the ball rolling, that first sentence written for me. And then I can write a book. In one sentence, you said, hit it too hard, get the juices flowing, and ball. I am showing admirable restraint, sir. <laughs> Good job. So I was actually just talking to Wes about this last night. Is It, it is helping me scale this week because um, we're doing the double stuff, right? And it's all the shows for me. So that's it's, it's a wild amount of work. I left my house at 5 a.m. And last night I got home around 9 p.m. I have to scrape my windshield when I leave in the morning and I have to scrape my windshield before I go home at night just for this whole week. Right. So anything I can do to kind of like just do the repetitive stuff, like extracting all the tags for an episode. So powerful. And I could easily see myself becoming dependent on a tool like that. And if they let me self-host chat GPT and I could run it here unlimited, I'd already be so far gone. I'd be helpless. It's it's ridiculous how useful I find a tool like that. And what's remarkable about ChatGPT is it's kind of stupid and it's got a long way to go, but it's still better than Google search. It finds and correlates information way better than Google does, way better than the Alexa does, way better than the Google Assistant or Siri does. It's way ahead of them. And it makes those assistant tubes look like dummies. And now I'm not I'm not claiming that ChatGPT is going to make people lose their jobs. But I do think as it improves and it learns more and it gets more input because people are just shoving data into it like crazy, it's going to become a tool that we become dependent on. Much like we've said before, like Spellcheck. I think when we said it's the new Clippy, when we were talking about Copilot a while ago, I think if you zoom out and apply it to AI in general, what what big company like Microsoft isn't going to want to own something like ChatGPT and just bake it into their office suite to, to be the next Grammarly? And I don't mean to undersell it, but I think if you start Looking at it in these terms, I think then my version and your version come together, right? Like it is going to become a tool that we become dependent on that is integrated into a lot of our software, but it's going to be co-opted by the big tech companies that do all this stuff and just baked into their existing product line. That's just a feature at this. Ultimately, I believe chat GPT is a feature, not a product. Mm, well, the, the problem with chat GTP, I don't remember the exact numbers is it, it they're burning cash for every single request you send them. And it's 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 not insignificant cash, right? I don't know, but 10 years from now, don't you think something like this will exist and make sense? 100%, and I think it's just going to be Apple and I think they'll they'll eventually phase out their existing assistant products and go around something based on this. Oh, you're such you're such an optimist. I think it's going to replace like the shitty automated uh, customer service when you call the bank, right? Or you call, you know, insert big company here. Oh, totally. You're right. Customer service. It's not going to be like Siri or yeah. Oh, and it's going to be both, man. Yeah, well, but I think I'll put it to you this way. My insane landlord, who is a giant private equity company, keeps having this problem where because they refuse to use 
people locally to either handle requests from either myself or the HOA, they hit these weird cases where their little, their app is basically, and I say app loosely, it's an app, it's it's their system, right? Their internal system. Someone told me it's basically a wizard, right? You have to click through. And if something doesn't cleanly fit into the buckets, they don't know how to categorize it. So what they do, the workers do, is they categorize it with whatever's close, but the contractors they hire won't do work unless it cleanly fits into a pre-approved, effectively a barcode, right? Like a UPC for what they pay. Of course. Of course, dude. Of course. So you end up in this insane loop where, and we had this three times so far in the last month, they send a dude out from, you know, Joe's contracting company. He's like, hey, man, I'm Joe. What's the problem? I'm like, ah, we got this letter from the HOA, but we didn't get it. Landlord sent it to us. Oh, but... Oh, wait, they want sod? Yeah, they didn't approve sod, so I can't do that. And there's no way to actually fix this problem. I mean, I feel like isn't ChatGTP going to be just the souped up, hopefully somewhat better extension of uh, Invitations Home's little wizard? Which, by the way, is BlackRock Capital, just so you guys know. I, I believe, so what we're seeing today with ChatGPT is an example of what this technology is capable of, that backend technology will be built in to all of these tech companies' products. Like, okay, let's flip this around just for a second. If you think about it, isn't it strange that when you call Apple today, the phone isn't answered by Siri? Like, Siri should be answering the phone at Apple support and responding to your questions and directly. No, no, she shouldn't. Well, you could see that from their perspective, right? From Apple's perspective, Siri is their voice. That's their brand. And that should be the person answering the phone. And when you call an Apple, you get your region-specific Siri, and she's capable of a lot of these things, but it's essentially being run by a GPT-3 AI backend. And it's the same Siri on your phone. She's like, the same cloud instances that are answering your phone questions are the ones that are answering the phone when you call in support. And it's the same one that's on your Mac, it's on your watch. I mean, we're eventually going to get there. I don't know. I kind of see this as more of a cost-cutting move, only because I think Apple would be afraid of the reputational risk of it being bad, right? Perhaps. Microsoft's all in, though, because as No Way Land in our 24-7 Matrix chat room points out, Microsoft's already invested a billion greenbacks into OpenAI, and all of that infra is on Azure. True. So Microsoft's uh, definitely keeping the door cracked. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like... There, I there I think I think this is this makes so much sense for their Office 365 products. Well, yeah, all roads lead to Azure, right? We said that a couple of years ago and it's still true. Speaking of which, Brock who's been boosting in talking about their .net Azure shop, he followed up on Twitter. He said, uh, "We've been using Azure on and off for a decade with all our services. It's been incredible and stable." Maybe he wasn't the booster, I'm not sure, but he was he's an Azure user. He says it's power user oriented, which he likes a lot with a focus on automation. The servers never fail when running Linux. Oh, and our Windows IIS servers, I have to nuke and pave every six months. No, is that still a thing? Is that still a thing people are doing? Sounds really bad. I have not run a Windows server. It's got to be over a decade, maybe. I mean, it's been a very long time. I had maybe a decade ago, I had clients. I think the last like server version that I was actively using from Microsoft was, I mean, God, this is going to make me feel old. But I believe it was server 2003, which is a good release. So, you know, they just last a while. That's all. I'm not old. 
linode.com slash coder. Go there to get $100 in 60-day credit while you're checking out the development platform of choice. This is a great way to deploy tools to get your job done or host your infrastructure. Linode's what we use. It's our development environment, and we also use it for our production environment. And Linode is making it easier all the time for newbies or long-timers. For example, they have a one-click deployment for Mastodon. If you're thinking about joining the Federation, but you just have heard what a nightmare it is to set up and run a Mastodon server, and so it's slowing you down like it has for me, well, perhaps they're one-click deployments for us. Now, one-click, I don't know if you can really truly call it that, because one of the nice things it'll do is it'll ask you some of the necessary questions you need to set up a Masto, and you just fill out that information, then you hit deploy, and it's up and running. And Linode has 11 data centers around the world today, and they're bringing on a dozen more next year, so there's always something near you or your end users. They started in 2003 as one of the very first companies in cloud computing. And now I think they've built the best platform developers. Great performance, great support, great infrastructure. You have a good range of hardware configurations. So you can really nail that price to performance ratio. And their mission has been laser focused this entire time. Make cloud computing simple, affordable, and accessible to all types. And they do that by making a great product and by having great support. And if you go to linode.com slash coder, you'll get a $100 offer. So you can try out anything on Linode. You get 100 bucks. you can try it out. You can really kick the tires and see if it's the right platform for your personal stuff, your business stuff, whatever it might be. You know, you can experiment with uh, the Mastodon instance. You can experiment with a GitLab deployment. It's a great opportunity to learn, too. That $100 is it's kind of like a free class ticket, isn't it? It's kind of like a, a free opportunity. You just have to go take advantage of it and uh, use your imagination. That's a great way to support the show, too. From development tools to game servers, Linode makes it easy to get started in just a few clicks. And of course, I'm always super appreciative of their S3-compatible object storage. That's been a lifesaver for us, especially for our NextCloud and PeerTube instances and for backups. The systems here at the studio back up to Linode's S3-compatible object storage. They just have so many features. That's why you get the 100 bucks. You can go try it and see what I've been talking about. Linode.com slash coder. One more time to support the show, you go to linode.com slash coder. All right, so Apple has made a ton of news since we got together on Monday. And uh, we actually just published Coder Radio like 23 hours ago as we're 24 hours ago as we're recording. Uh, But in that time, Apple is reportedly preparing to allow third-party app stores on their internet phone platform. Uh, this is coming from your buddy over at Bloomberg, and The Verge also picked it up. And the plans are reportedly being spurred on by the EU's Digital Markets Act. We've talked about DMA on the show before, which is meant to, quote, enact rules for digital gatekeepers, which Apple and Google would be considered, to ensure open markets. So disappointing. Didn't they know that we have a clip for them whenever the EU calls that we are prepared <laughs> for this exact uh... scenario? You know, she curses in that, you know. the EU. It's okay when it's the EU, because you know what? If you couldn't keep England, that's right. That's right. I'm making Brexit jokes again. And that's true. Are, we, we do favor the favor. Yeah, no. No, you know what? Let's not joke about this, because people get so upset. We're just kidding. You want me well, to Brexit I, I, this topic? Is that what you're saying? But I do like the UK better. I mean, no. <laughs> The only thing that's, like, not great in the UK is food is weirdly expensive, right? Like, I don't. And, and bad. You know how I know it's bad? And I'm, I mean, I, I, you know, no, no offense to my buddies who come to visit, but... Lots of offense, you damn wankers. Well, but they know this is true. They will not deny it. When they come here, 
what I consider to be like low end bad food. And I'm not even essing you is like some of the best food they've ever had. Chris is taking our British host to Chili's and they're thrilled. He's like, no worse than Chili's, dude. Mod pizza. Oh, that, that sucks. Wow. Really? The British guys get over here and they can't stop raving about mod pizza. Like I want to take them to like really good, a family owned pizza restaurant that's been around for 30 years, survived just on the merits of their fantastic, incredible pizza you know, pass down recipe through the family over generations. And they're like, but we really want to go to mod pizza. That's incredible pizza. And we know we like mod pizza and subway. Like, <laughs> see, now I want them to come here and I'll take them to like hungry. Howie's see what happens. <laughs> Anyways. So the, the EU has these schedules of how this stuff goes into effect. Some of them are in effect by March 6, 2024. The one that affects the app store stuff also in here. However, there is a bit about how messaging services need to be interoperable with other services. It's part of the conditions. And it looks like Find My Network would need to be compatible with services like Tile as well. So basically coming in and busting up all of the uh, platform advantages. I'm always a little torn on this. There seems to be, you know, some good in this. An ability to install third-party apps outside the App Store would be, I think, a huge improvement for the ecosystem. However, it looks like Apple is considering charging a fee to do so, either to the developer or the, I'm not sure. How likely do you think any of this is? Do you think there's some way they're going to get out of this? I'm sorry, I just wasn't listening because I think the bots just did our job. Look at Element. Okay. All right, what do we have in there? This is Coder Radio. This is apparently GTB chat. This is Coder Radio. Hello, friend, and welcome into Jupiter Broadcasting's Weekly Talk Show. We're here to talk about all things tech, code, and Magic the Gathering. I, I may have made a minor edit. Uh, <laughs> from third-party app stores to fast API, we keep it fresh and you and never whack yo. Are we in eighties? <laughs> are we Will Smith? <laughs> we are little eighties. Yeah, yo, we keep it fresh, yo, and we never whack. Well, you know what? You know what's not eighties? Getting your thirty percent. No, that's very eighties. Actually, getting your thirty percent. <laughs> Yeah. It, so yeah, it is. why would anybody do this? Because, you know, Apple has already won in federal court in the U.S. And we have nothing but respect for Great Britain. But I don't think uh, that the other place that Britain used to be part of is going to be able to stop them from getting to that 30%. And also, like, the bigger markets are the United States and China. Like, China can stop them from sharing, letting people airdrop things. They pretty effectively did that. Uh, all hail Pooh Bear. But I could see them not. Yeah, right. Maybe they don't enable this outside the EU, perhaps. That could be one thing. Why would you even do it? Like, I, well, I don't, don't want to say fork the EU, but it's the law. But isn't this a good thing if this happens? Is it? I don't know. I, You know what? The EU likes to bluster and do a lot of things, but I've. All right. One, I don't care. Two, I've lost a lot of faith. The fact that they couldn't make some accommodation with the right wingers in, in Great Britain. Okay. All right. Well, let me flip it around. What if it was just coming from the U.S.? What if it was, uh, you know, we can't a, a do law anything. Going... We are 85 years old. We have uh, <laughs> okay. erectile know, dysfunction and we've been drinking all day. Okay. <laughs> but I'm just trying to get to the nut of the matter, which is. No, like... we never get to nut. This is Congress. Never. There's, never get there's there. no market heavyweight strong enough to force Apple to open up side loading they're they're never going to do it yes there is his name is Xi Jinping. if you send him a picture of winnie the pooh he will have you killed that is the only yeah, but one he's not going to make apple 
uh, open up the uh, app store like that. No, he loves centralized control. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm down. That's what I'm saying. There's no there's no free market force that'll ever force Apple to do this. So it almost feels like it's going to take a state actor. And as you just said, we have a bunch of geriatrics who can't even figure. I'm like, oh, my God, I watched I, I watched a four hour Senate hearing yesterday and it ruined my day. It was so bad. I really regret it. But it, incompetence does not begin to describe. Well, they're senile. I mean, come on. So they're so they're incapable. Right. So it takes somebody if there's not going to be a free market actor, it's going to take a state actor and it's not going to be the U.S. Congress. So it seems like it's going to have to be EU or the U.K. It's going to have to be some other large Western nation where Apple wants to make a lot of money or it's going to have to be China. But that's never going to happen. Well, well, okay. the thing about China is China usually doesn't do stuff. But when they do it, they come in. I mean, remember Jack Ma? Right. When China decides they don't like something, they really don't like it. And they they handle that. That I'm not saying that's good. I'm just saying, you know, in terms of effectiveness, the EU, what are they going to do? They make a bunch of bluster. They talk about these principles and then they end up settling for something much less. Right. No matter what, Apple's getting their 30 percent. Yeah, I could see this being fought for years and then years down the road. It basically Apple agrees to a monthly fine or a yearly fine and they just write it off as an expense to operate the App Store. This is like the dumbest thing. Like, I don't know if you we, we tend to get too much into politics. But if you think about problems the EU might have. iOS App Store, that's that's where we're going. Who cares? And I also don't like the App Store policies. I think this is maybe just more about. Dominating, you know, it's a little bit about establishing power, perhaps. Well, they also they also like to bitch slap American companies. Right. So, you know. <laughs> So they're not going to love this, but Apple has announced they're rolling out true end-to-end encryption. Optionally, won't be on by default. Not going to happen. For your iCloud photos, notes, backups, and more. Nope. What do you mean nope? It's like it's in beta. It's like going to happen. What are you talking about nope? Show me Xi Jinping. Unless it, unless it just doesn't happen in China. Perhaps. Perhaps. You have to embrace in your heart. Right. The first step yeah. is that China is now the most important country in the world. I think this is a theory which is correct. I think if you use this worldview from a, for, from if you're looking at it from the perspective of a large multinational corporation <laughs> like Apple, not from our perspective, but from like Apple's. Right. It's the growth market. And frankly, it would still be the United States if we could get somebody under the age of 72 into Congress. But we can't. So. I don't know why we can't. Oh, well, crazy ladies with guns. We can. We can do that. But that's about it. See, Chris, I'm overcorrecting for your apparent right wing alt rightness that we got emailed about. Oh, yeah. So now we're going to get the other side, right? Yeah. yeah, I said the key words. I mean, I think they're doing it. I don't know. Uh, you, maybe they will region lock it. But it's starting with iOS 16.2, iPad 16.2 and Mac OS 13.1, which is in beta. Your device backups and iMessages will now be encrypted, which was kind of that backdoor that existed. iCloud Drive encrypted, notes, photos encrypted, reminders encrypted, voice memos, Safari bookmarks, Siri shortcuts, wallet passes, all encrypted. And as you have experienced, if you lose the key, if you lose the login, you lose everything. Apple cannot restore it. They're, they have you set up a recovery device, and if you lose that recovery contact and device, you are screwed. We've talked a lot about the limpness of Congress here, but if there is one law that I think they could actually manage to pass that isn't like renaming a post office, I'm pretty sure 
preventing this is the one, right? Because you're going to have the, I mean, I could think of a lots of do-gooder organizations screaming, the children, you know, blah, 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 the cops, the FBI, the everybody who wants to spy on people, weirdly the IRS now, um, you know, lobbying pretty hard to not have this happen. In fact, we've already, the FBI was pissed off already, right? We've seen this happen where they went toe-to-toe in public with Apple. And they released a statement after Apple's announcement, and they said it was, quote, deeply concerning. And there's another group, to your point, actually, I think it's called the Surveillance Technology Oversight Project, or STOP, took the opposite side and said that it's long overdue that Apple did this. But then another organization took their opposite side and said, well, this is only going to harm children. Quote, this hinders, this is, this is, uh, I believe the FBI, quote, this hinders our ability to protect the American people from criminal acts ranging from cyber attacks and violence against children. And most importantly, tax evasion. Let's be honest what it's going to be used for. Yeah, probably. And it's, you know, it's when it is optional, then only the people that have something hide will likely turn it on. And I hate that. And that's one of the reasons why I advocate for. Not true. I No, not true. Not true. If you look at the statistics, we're, we're, if we're talking about actual pedophiles, right? Pedophiles. Why did I make that British? See, I'm in love with, I. you know what? I love Britain still. You could have done better in the World Cup. You could have tried. You guys phoned it in. That's, you know, we're not going to talk about it too much. But most, if you if you look at like educational attainment, socioeconomic status, see, I'm British again, bloody hell. Most actual pedophiles are not like smart guys. They're not coder radio listeners, right? They're, they're dumb. They're, they would have to read a step-by-step article of how to turn that on. And they'd probably mess it up anyway, right? Yeah. <laughs> the sophisticated criminals that are going to turn this on are like your Sam Bakeman freeds of the world who, by the way, oh, oh, were you, can I, can I have a, can I gloat? Yeah. As much as I'm anti-system today, my faith is restored because Bahamian jail, that sounds bad. Yeah, well, we'll see, right? We'll see what ends up happening ultimately. But the fact that he's arrested. He said they denied him bail. I can't, I couldn't believe that. That's Well, his ex-girlfriend, Caroline, is working with a former SEC uh, representative who's a lawyer now. And I saw a report last night that perhaps a couple of FTX insiders came forward to the Bohemian authorities and basically spilled the beans on Sam. Man, Chris, I, I have to flip this card here. See, flip, get it? Yeah, yeah, they all flipped, right? What? Of course. I hope that what happens is that they extradite him to the U.S. and that he gets a proper return on his political investment and nothing happens. Just because I want you to restart unfiltered. Oh, <laughs> oh I would, right? Oh, I tell you what. You, you would lose it. I, I can feel it in the Slack channel already. <laughs> we'll see what happens. I watched this. These were the Senate hearings of the, about the collapse of FTX. It was two days worth. And they pointed out that the folks that got wrapped up in the Madoff scams are just beginning to get paid now, you know, 12, 13 years later. They're just beginning to get their payments. Um, so this is a very long process. Yeah, I mean, they say crime doesn't pay, but... I don't know if it's financial. It seems to be going. Notice no VCs are being questioned. Just, you know, saying. Day one wasn't too bad, but day two, you're not going to believe this. Day two for testimony, for expert testimony to Congress, they brought in an actor whose name I forget, but he's he's an actor. And I I didn't 
catch his introduction. So I didn't realize he was an actor, but I was chatting online. I was like, why does this guy feel like he's a poser? Like he's just pretending like he doesn't even know what he's talking about. And somebody's like, he's actually an actor. <laughs> like they brought in an actor because he literally is. They brought in Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank, who was literally uh, completely uninformed on crypto until SBF paid him $15 million. To so pay attention. If, if you've ever watched Shark Tank and if someone offers you a deal like he offers, uh, those are bad deals. Right. Paying interest plus a rev share is always stupid. These are the congressional expert testimonies. Right. And then they brought in two professors. Uh, the first gal thought there was only 10 Bitcoin developers. <laughs> she like didn't have any idea how it works. She had to read from her notes constantly. But she did disclose that, you know, up front, she just would shut it all down immediately. She'd ban it all. And then another gal who seemed to be the most neutral, but they never called on her very much. And so you just had all these showboaters come in. And it was brutal to watch. Just they don't have any understanding of what happened and nothing they're proposing. Like there's a, a, a bill that Senator Warren is proposing to solve this. And none of it addresses what happened with FTX. It's all more about like making sure people don't transfer large sums of money. And it's about reporting person to person transactions. It's all about financial monitoring. And none of it has anything to do with resolving what happened with FTX. It's about tax collection. Yes. Yeah, it's about tax collection. That's all it's about. They don't care about it. They're going to say it's about like crime and human trafficking and all that. That's bull****. A more boring hearing that wasn't a hearing, but a press release from the IRS is like, this is their plan. Right? I know I keep hitting that point, but we are going to live in such a monitored society that if you forget that you sent money to somebody or worse, accidentally send money to the wrong, God forbid, Venmo account, you're going to need to account for that. Everything's going to need to be run as though even people were individual little businesses that have to keep records. And I I will tell you that I think the, I, you know, I don't think you and I are guilty of anything. I don't think most of our listeners are. But I think the tax code in the U.S. is incredibly complicated. And it's very easy to interpret something wrong or make a mistake. And I think a lot of people are going to get nailed. And it's not going to be, no one's going to jail, right? It's going to be, well, that's a $200 fine. I'm sure you've had this experience. You fill out a form wrong. They consider it invalid. It's late. That's $250. Yeah. Yeah. Not not to have us both hitting this point at the same time, but uh, super hard here. But I think I think what you're saying will come to fruition because tax revenue is going to be in the dumpster. Right. We had a really good tax revenue for 2021 and 2020 and even 2019, because a huge, huge portion of tax revenue for local state government and federal government is capital gains tax stocks, Bitcoin, any of the crypto, you know, NFT silliness going on. Lots of big, you know, corporate deals and sales. All of that. Has capital gains tax. And when you have a recession. Everybody's taking a loss on those same items. Mm-hmm. And there's way, 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 way less tax revenue coming in. Plus driving goes down. So there's less gas tax revenue. So my state generates a ton of revenue from the gas tax. That goes down. There's a huge flip in the income for the for the government. And at the same time, they're adding debt on like crazy, right? So the two things are incompatible. So they will have to raise their income. And how does a government raise its income? Through taxes. And so they will have to become more active and more aggressive. And that's how they'll that's how they'll raise revenue is by tax enforcement. And it's not a conspiracy. 
That's literally what the Biden administration said the plan is. So it's it is going to be rough. Yeah, they're going to they're and they're not going to like throw people in jail. They're going to hit small businesses with like little technicalities, right? Like yeah, or folks with side hustles. You know the side hustlers. Oh, you're gonna if you don't account for that Venmo over six hundred dollars that you got over a twelve month period. Yeah, that's taxable income. Yeah, it's not just going to be Venmo too. It's PayPal. It's so it's at any of them, right? I'm using Venmo, but yeah. Um, so anything that looks like it's any kind of payment for goods or services, anything like that, is going to get automatically analyzed and scrutinized, and uh, could get you flagged. Right, and it's not going to be about like persecuting the people. It's going to be about getting that sweet, sweet two hundred dollar fine. Right, that's just all it is. So tailscale.com slash coder go there to get a free personal account for 20 devices when you go to tailscale.com slash coder and it's a great way to support the show and check out a zero config mesh vpn that you can get going in minutes it's powerful that way (laughs) it's so powerful it's so powerful and they keep adding great features so my devices they all connect directly to each other on a mesh wire guard flat network and it's fantastic doesn't matter if i'm behind a carrier grade NAT doesn't matter if I've got firewall rules in between me doesn't matter what kind of network setup tail scale is super smart about finding each other and then they build that mesh network and then they send the traffic directly to each other man that makes things really really simple because you start with just okay this isn't always on network that I have and only the traffic that's supposed to go to that network routes there but then you can start layering things on top of it like I've deployed Nextcloud exclusively in my tail scale network and Tailscale is also rolling out new features like quick user switching. So now I can have a work Tailscale network and a personal Tailscale network, and I can switch on the fly without having to reauthenticate anymore. It's awesome. And they're also rolling out a new ability for you to control the keys. So you can verify that all of the key management is on the up and up. If you want to take that responsibility away from Tailscale, they're rolling that feature out now. Tailnet lock and uh, you go to their website they'll have a white paper published of course you can check their twitter account too and they've also recently announced funnels they're really really on fire they're moving so fast building so many great features and they do it with a fantastic base if you read their blog and i've i've actually i've talked to their founder you can find the interview in the archives of linux unplugged there's a real smart approach where they've built this super solid base this really intelligent network layout And now they can just build things on top of that foundation. They have their layer one, and now they're adding on top of that. And as a user, all the stuff I can opt into or not, it's really simple. It's not overwhelming at all. It starts with just simple mesh networking. And then you get things like Tailscale Send, which is like AirDrop for all your devices, or Tailscale SSH, or now Tailnet Lock, and of course, Funnel, and Quick User Switching. I'm such a happy Tailscale user. And you can get it for free. Not for a limited time, just get it for free for up to 20 devices when you go to tailscale.com slash coder. It's a great way to up your networking game, get a fantastic VPN that you're going to use for years, and support the show. Tailscale.com slash coder. Well, it was all going so well until the FTC stepped in and they're suing to block Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard. The Federal Trade Commission voted in three to one in favor of a complaint against Microsoft's planned $68.7 million acquisition. And uh, I think this is going to have huge fight written all over it. This is the in- insanest case they could have picked. but You think so? Okay, all right. So tell me why. Tell me why. It's a stupid. 
Sorry, my European friends who we love and respect Great Britain. Joking. Loving you guys. French wine's good. You have to define the market. And the market is going to be video games because that's the market, right? It's pretty obvious on its face. And Microsoft is not, nor will they be after this, a, you know, a monopolist in video games. A company who apparently doesn't want to tell you this, but we've seen in court documents, is one of the largest companies in video games. It's called Apple, right? And Nintendo still exists. First of all, if you're an Activision Blizzard fan and you think it's good that Microsoft not buy them, do I have some articles for you to read? Because it's just going to get worse. <laughs> you know, I think about it like this. How will the consumer be affected if Microsoft merges with Activision? What I foresee happening is Microsoft adds a whole new suite of licensing of licensed games to the Xbox streaming service, which is like nine bucks a month. And I doubt they'll raise the price. So it actually is going to make prices lower. It's going to make things more available for consumers. And I agree with you. Sony is huge. People don't, I think, fully grasp the size of Sony and Nintendo, especially in the console space. And this is kind of a console forward service that Microsoft's dealing with here. And then on top of that, what we realized immediately after the acquisition was announced is that there was a real internal rot going on at Activision. And they were really going off the wheels. They was falling apart over there. Microsoft coming in, bringing that corporate maturity, bringing that corporate structure, while being perhaps a little incompatible with some folks, is probably an antidote they needed. And Microsoft, to kind of try to allay everyone's fears, you probably saw this, is going out of their way to like announce a 10-year deal with Nintendo for Call of Duty and stuff. Right. They're doing that because because your hardcore FPS players are chilling with their switch. Yeah, I know. It's so silly. That's it's just not the platform for that. But if you think about it, if you're going to spend 70 bill on Activision to get things like Call of Duty, it's actually in Microsoft's best interest to make Call of Duty available on the PlayStation and the Nintendo so they can make that money back. Right. Because. $8 a month, $9 a month, it's going to take a long time to pay that 70 bill off. But if they can put it as part of their Microsoft streaming package and they can sell it one off at 60 bucks a copy on Nintendo and Sony's platform, why wouldn't they do that? Right? It's silly. It's like, of course they want to do that. And I, I think the issue here is the FTC has a new boss. Elena Khan. Yeah. And she has a kind of a philosophical driven approach to governing the FTC. And her philosophy is, if it looks like something could become a problem at some point down the road, let's act today. And I think you could make an argument for that. I, I can see that logic there. The issue is, is I don't think those dynamics are quite playing out here. I, I mean, but perhaps her argument is right, and that's why she's taking this action. But it seems like a really dramatic step on what might be an issue instead of dealing with what the issue is in the marketplace today. Okay, so there's like so much to unpack here, right? So one, Microsoft's issue has nothing to do with Sony, Activision, or Nintendo, right? Nintendo basically makes the machine to play their own games. And we keep giving them money because their games are very, very good. Uh, Microsoft doesn't care what console you're playing on. They might temporarily care, but their real problem is a little-known company called Comcast. Right? That's what's screwing them over. Comcast and Apple. Comcast, because uh, unbelievably, internet access is horrible in the US. This is where the EU beats us. And 
it's the verge just did a thing my favorite website where they were comparing american internet high-speed bills to foreign ones and god damn it i'm moving to south korea like what the hell it's double the price for a third of the service in most cases i know it i know it yeah so that's like the problem with Game Pass, right? And Microsoft and Microsoft themselves every year comes out with an internet connectivity report, they call it. And they're just bitching and moaning to the government and the government just won't take their blue pill and do something, right? So it's it's just not a thing. Their product is held back by the infrastructure in the States for internet, for sure. Right. Unfortunately, we're turning into the verge here because a lot of this stuff is so large that it actually requires the state to do something. And they can't do anything other than collect taxes and throw people in jail, right? Like, If only, if only somebody could figure out how to engineer a company that can build relaunchable rockets and then could deploy low-orbit satellites at scale and just build out a new internet infrastructure. But, you know, nobody's ever seemed to be able to do that. So I think that's not going to happen. Or you could just, like, not allow the telco monopolies, right? Like, I, I guess they're not technically monopolies, but isn't it strange how they all base their prices based on how much competition they have in your neighborhood? It's a little weird, right? Mm-hmm. Dude, our bill just went up 100 bucks a month at the studio. We're now, we're now paying nearly, you're not going to believe this. How much? We're now paying nearly $480 a month for 300 megabits. See... Luckily for me, where I live outside of Tampa, uh, there is competition, and I pay five hundred by five hundred seventy dollars a month. Oh God, we're looking we're looking to what we can do. Um, but anyways, I have two thoughts, and one I'll just toss away short aside so we don't get into the politics of it. But this is pitting the Microsoft uh, company and their lobbyists against the Biden administration uh, because this is uh, the FTC commissioner is very much seen as part of the Biden administration. Uh, it's Biden pick such a weird choice though, of all the things she could have gone after. I know. And all of the things on all the companies for the Biden administration to go after. Cause the guy, Microsoft has been enjoying about a decade of very little government interference. And this is a big change in that all of a sudden, so, but putting that aside here, don't you think that Microsoft has likely learned from windows and office and now understands that, it's a real strategy is make our products available on whatever platform people want. And it's going to be gaming as a service. The metaphor would be they're skating to where the puck is going to go here because yes, infrastructure is bad today, but theoretically it is conceivable that in the next 10 years, 20 years, that's going to get solved. And so they want to be ready to go with the biggest, with the Disney sized catalog for gaming. And they're going to do it at nine bucks a pop. I don't see what the FTC's case is here. I don't think they have one because Microsoft can point to the governance of Activision. Microsoft can point to the market dominance of Sony and they can point to what you just said, the ISP situation. Like they can in this particular situation, they can use that to their advantage and argue it's not even even capable of, of, of becoming a market dominant player with the state of the broadband situation. Like they can actually use that as an argument to their advantage right now in arguing against the FTC. I don't see how they have a leg to stand on, the FTC. They're going to lose this. They're going to lose. And this is pure predatory capitalism on Microsoft's part, only because for some reason Activision was unable to like rein their nonsense in, right? Like that, there's Wall Street Journal articles about the insane frat boy behavior at Activision. And also their games kind of suck now, right? They, 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 they're not, it's, it's 
I, I don't get like people are I understand there's a history there with Blizzard and all that, but yeah, they're big, but they're not nowhere near the entirety of the industry, right? They're nowhere near fifty one percent. And even if they were, that that's just not like legally a monopoly. We're not lawyers, right? But yeah, and and one of their leading arguments was is that Microsoft will use this market position to quote show and already has withhold content from its gaming rivals, end quote. But then right before this FTC thing dropped very tactfully by Microsoft, they announced that 10-year deal with Nintendo and they announced a deal with Sony, which just undercuts that position, which is what the FTC led with, with the suit. Yeah, I, I, I really don't understand this move on the FTC's part because there are so many very, very obvious targets. That I mean, I guess maybe they think Microsoft, they'll be able to get a settlement because Microsoft is very like, you know, they, they love capitulating to the to the government because they don't want what happened to them in the past to happen again. I don't know. Apple App Store seems like a much bigger, more obvious target. Right. <laughs> All of the ISPs just like nail the ISPs, right? Pick like one case. Like I'll give you an example. Eatontown, New Jersey, where there's one ISP and they charge you. 200 bucks for 200 by 200 of cable, right? Like cable internet, coax internet, where I used to live. See, it's not just the EU. I tend to think that the problem is, like, Lena Khan's a very smart person. And I think she knows that Microsoft will sign some sort of settlement instead of fight. And then she can say it's a win. Where if you go after Comcast, they may or may not have a few pet hundred Congress critters, right? This has got to be it, dude. I think you've nailed it. Because if you did go after the ISPs and you busted that up and you brought competition back to the ISP space, that would return exponential economic dividends for decades. Not educational. Think about think about kids in uh, under, you know, underprivileged neighborhoods who are fighting their way with DSL or tethering to mom's phone. Telemedicine. Yep. Telemedicine. Yep. It, it, w- it would change lives if we could break up the ISP monopoly and it would change lives almost immediately for the better and it would put more money back in the pockets of the American people while inflation is going crazy. It would be huge. And you're right. Instead, this is what they focus on. Ooh, boy. <laughs> God forbid someone has to like not get an exclusive skin in Call of Duty on the Nintendo. Or, or Although <laughs> that's not even true because Microsoft already promised all that stuff. So it's like... I don't know. This is dumb. But. Ask not what your podcast can boost for you, but what you can boost for your podcast. The Golden Dragon came in with a row of ducks. Just my obligatory thank you for another great show boost. Well, thank you, The Golden Dragon. This is a small set since uh, it's the episode's only been out for 24 hours, and so you were quick on it. Really appreciate that. And uh, Mitch D came in. Mitch, he is the co-developer of Podverse, well, one of the developers, I suppose they have more, but co-founder of Podverse, which is a podcasting 2.0 app with 10,000 sats coming in hot, coming in hot with the boost. <laughs> Glad you uh, are planning to make JB lit. That is the live item tech. Yes, we are. So that there's a whole new system coming along where you will be able to listen when Coder Radio is live, just in your podcasting 2.0 app. You won't have to go to JupyterTube. You won't have to have a separate feed. It's just when you open up your podcast list and you're looking at all your available podcasts, when Coda Radio is live, it'll just be in that list with a live little like, you know, a little live logo next to it. And you can just hit play and tune into our live stream. 
We're not there yet. Uh, step one is to start generating our own feeds, which we hope to do in early 2023. Uh, Mitch also sent in uh, another 10,000 sats to make his total 20,000. Appreciate it very much. And thanks for the great work on Podverse. And also a thank you to Tepulus, who's been streaming us batches of 200 sats while he listens over uh, the last day or so. And I thought I'd do something kind of fun. So Mike and I are pre-recording right now. And so your emails and your boosts, they're going to be kind of spread out over the next few episodes. If you don't hear it in one, it might be in another. And I thought this could be a nice chance. If you'd like to send us a row of holiday bells and get, I'll batch up all of the holiday well-wish boosts. You can do a row of bells, which is four eights, 88, 88. Nice little row of bells. And then I'll batch all of the holiday boost messages or New Year's too, because we'll probably get to those in the first episode of the New Year all together. So send in a row of bells by doing 8888 with your holiday best wishes and New Year's predictions as well. Toss those in there and we'll put them all together. And I think that'll probably be in the first week of January because we're recording one more episode this year on Monday. So if you'd like to join us for what I think might be our last episode of the year, join us Monday, the 19th of December at jupiter.tube at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern. That'll be our last live show. The feed will keep delivering episodes, though, because we have been banking them. So get your uh, holiday boosts in or get your uh, emails in because we'd like to bank a couple of those so we can also fill out those episodes. You can do that at coder.show slash contact as well. Mr. Dominic, is there anywhere you'd like to send the good people before we get out of here? Any holiday locations? <laughs> yeah, I would send you to... Uh... Wherever the FCC petition site, let's break up Comcast. Let's do it. <laughs> Dude, wouldn't that be amazing if the Coder Radio got, Coder Radio program got that rolling? <laughs> I'd totally be on board. I think we would both end up in the back of a Buick, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm, that's true. Neither one of us are suicidal. So if we disappear. Yeah. It, 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 if, if I die uh, in Arkansas in particular, it it. It, it wasn't self-imposed. Yeah. You know, speaking of the end of the year, uh, I should mention our last Coderly of the year went out. So if you're a member, if you're a coderqa.co member, be sure to get that in your downloads area or it'll be in your ad-free feed. Uh, that's a perk we give our members. And if you'd like to support all the shows, jupiter.party and use the promo code 2022 to take two bucks off a month, the membership for the lifetime of the sub for new accounts and from upgrades from single show plans to network. What? Promo code 2022 at jupiter.party. Yeah, I know. Crazy Chris is taking two bucks off. That's like the profit margin. But you know what? Love you guys. So it's the holidays. And we're also, I should say, <laughs> the reason why I did it <laughs> is because I'm shutting down the Patreon account, which is what I should lead with. So people know I'm shutting down Patreon, consolidating, focusing. A man needs his APIs, Mr. Dominic. Yeah, he sure did. And only one provider. And you know what? One platform has the APIs and one doesn't. You know what I'm saying? I go where the API leads me, as we all do. Just chasing that dragon. Ch chasing that API dragon. Links to what we talked about today, well, heck, those are over at coder.show slash 497. Or you can find them at our community-built website, jupiterbroadcasting.com. I mentioned JupyterTube. That's where you can catch us live or watch the live stream playbacks and see how the sausage gets made. Although not for the uh, queasy. You can find me on the Twitters at ChrisLAS. You can find us both in the Matrix, coder.show slash Matrix in the Fediverse. And our contact page coder.show slash contact. We love hearing from you. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you right back here next week. <laughs>